0: My life started with the Lord when I was a teenager, uh, then in my early 20s, I had many encounters with the Lord as a teenager uh, on uh, youth camps, uh, youth revivals, and uh, my life was fashioned as a young person. And I'm grateful for every encounter. When I saw these young people over here singing and worshiping, the Lord did my heart good. I was associate youth pastor with Larry Lee. Some of you may have remember Larry Lee and we were youth pastors together, and man, we were just, you, you called us any time, night or day. We were, man, we were out. I mean, we would go. We were casting out demons. We were doing all kinds of things, getting people off of drugs. We got a call one day at the church, that a gentleman was over in North Dallas in a hotel room, and he wanted to kill himself, and he was crying out for help, and Larry told me about it. And he said, let's go. I said, let's do it, man. We got in our car. And we drove over to this hotel and we got into the room number that uh, we couldn't find anybody in the room. And we walked in, and uh, nobody was in the room. We thought, well, let's go in the restroom here. And we went in the bathroom, and the curtain was closed, and we opened that curtain. Nobody was in there. Then all of a sudden, we heard the door shut behind us. And uh, I saw this guy standing there. He had a three fifty seven Magnum cocked into his head. He said, nobody's leaving this room alive. Well, I'm glad I knew the Holy Spirit I knew the Lord. I began to pray in the Spirit. Larry Lee began to pray in the Spirit. We got him over. He laid down on the bed, still holding that gun to his head. And uh, Larry began to minister to him. And in just a moment, he relaxed his hand just a little bit. And when he did, I grabbed the gun. And uh, I had that gun, and I kept it for a long time, but I had that gun. We got that man to the help that he needed. He needed to go to the hospital, and we got him the help that he needed. But I thought back about those days. Larry Lee went to Rockwall to begin to build Church on the Rockwall, where we ended up. And I was there until I started a Satellite Church from Church on the Rock uh, in Duncanville, Texas, right outside in Dallas area, where I pastored for 30 years. And last year, I turned that church over to a younger man. Uh, that can take it to where it's going to go right now. And we're uh, taking over the presidency of Church on the Rock network of ministers. And now we're traveling literally around the world uh, just encouraging pastors. And we've been in church after church after church uh, going to where we want to go. God says, Here's what I want you to do I want you to seek out pastors and ministry leaders. I want you to serve them. I want you to sharpen them. Some have grown dull in the work for the Lord, sharpen them. And then just sow into their lives. And that's the calling God has upon me in my wife's life right now. Before I get into what I want to say and share the Word of God, I want my wife to come. My wife of 41 years. We've been married 41 years. We met at church. She was not saved when she came to our church at 15. She showed up at my father's church, Beverly Hills Baptist Church. Because she lived right down the street, she was able to walk to church. She came in. My father saw her and said, i got a son I need you to meet. I was 17. We met. We liked each other. And so we went together for seven years before we got married. And uh, And so we've been married for 41 years. And uh, so I just wanted her to share a word.
1: This morning, as I was getting ready for church, the Lord spoke to me and he said, I'm the God who will do exceeding abundantly above all that you'll ask or think. And I just recently got a understanding of that. When we were in Hawaii, Sonny was preaching for a conference in That's Hawaii. Place, you know. Yay, Lord. Thank you for sending us to Hawaii. Uh, and while we were there, we met with this pastor of a church in Honolulu. He took us to lunch. He was te- He's also an architect, and he designs communities, and he had been invited by the uh, president of Fiji to design a community with hotels, restaurants, homes, And so he did that, and he, um, the president of Fiji, uh, accepted his uh, design and said, and held this big gala to tell everybody he was going to build this community. And um, but after the gala, he said, um, "I just have one problem. This is going to cost three billion dollars to build it, and I don't have three billion dollars." can you help me raise 3 billion dollars well this pastor said i don't know let me pray about that and ask the lord well fast forward 1 year later god let him raise 3 billion dollars now i i don't know about y'all but I, I, that realm of thinking is is a little above my pay grade uh and so I, we were just, we were sitting there listening to this And hearing about this humble pastor that we know raised $3 billion. And the president of Fiji came to him and said, I want to know the God that helped you raise $3 billion. And so Pastor Francis Oda baptized the president of Fiji in his swimming pool. I want to say, living in that realm, when God then speaks to me and starts my heart, I want to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think. I want to know what you're thinking about today. What's your expectation? All of us, we need to raise our level of expectation and realize we serve a big God. And whatever your need is today, He's here to meet it. Also, while we were in Hawaii, it was January the
0: 13th. I remember it well. I don't know if you remember this, but January the 13th, some of you got the news that while we were in Hawaii, I was sitting on the balcony of this little hotel we were staying at, And I got on my phone, and I got this alert, like an amber alert, came across my phone. Malistic missile coming to the island of Hawaii. Take cover. This is not a drill. A missile is coming. Okay. Uh, I went in. I said, Susie, did you get this? She goes, I got that. What do we do? I said, well, let's pray. I said, one thing I know, we're right with God. If, if this is real, we're, we're right with God. But let's just see what we do. We went downstairs. Everybody was gathered. I found out how to get everybody in one place, one accord, for one purpose. Everybody was trying to survive. Everybody was just standing there. We asked the manager, what do we do? He says, I don't know. I said, where are the shelters? There are no shelters. And we prayed again. They're in the lobby of the hotel, and they said, go back to your room. We went back to our room, just waited, called. We tried to call our kids, wanted to know, okay, if this is real. And we couldn't get through the phone lines. Uh, and we were waiting on the news. Nothing was coming across the news. And finally, after 35 minutes, they we have got some text and some uh, tweets. Uh, we found out the best place to get your news is on Facebook and if you have a Twitter account. Because they had the information. It was a false alarm. It was a mistake. But we didn't know that for a while. For just a few minutes, we thought, this could be it. We could be going home. to Because I said, Susan, if this is real, we're going to be at war. And uh, there's really not anything you can do. We went to church the next Sunday, and uh, the following morning, they gave us a sheet of paper that said, okay, if this was really real, here's what you do. Don't look at the flash. Okay. (laughs) Stay in your room for two weeks and don't come out. Okay. Well, it was the... Source of conversation the rest of the time we were in Hawaii. Every Uber driver we had, we said, what were you doing the other morning when you got the alert? He said, I was sleeping and I woke up and my roommates were crying. I said, "What? what's going on? He, They told him, and he said, man, I began to fill buckets up of water. and He said, I began to put on all the clothes I could, find, gloves, everything, because I thought I'm going to have to go out here and help rescue people if this really hit. That was his thoughts. Everybody was trying to think. Of, we saw people. Uh, later on in the news, they were running off the beach, lifting up manhole covers and putting their children down manhole covers. You're just trying to think, what do we do? It's a missile's coming, and in our thought, we talked about that even before we went to Hawaii, because we knew there was a man not right in his right mind, not too far from us, that uh, has threatened to send missiles our way. Well, what do you do when you're at the? You, you could be coming to the end of your life. Are you ready? Well, I discovered. Well, I'm ready. I knew we were right with God, so we we're ready to do that. And I'm really glad to be here today. I'm glad to be here to bring the Word of God to you because I really believe I'm here because God wants me to share this Word for you. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. I'm going to read this story because uh, I believe it's important to read the Word of God, and then I'll do some explanation of what... Uh, we're reading. Many of you know this story. Most of you know this story. It's the story, story of what we call the Good Samaritan. Well, the Bible calls him the Certain Samaritan. But we call him, We're known. he's known as the Good Samaritan. So listen to the reading of the Word of God. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? He answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with all of your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, Well, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing and wounded him, departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And the lawyer said to him, He who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. Lord, I thank you today for your word. And Lord, You've promised that Your Word would not return void, but would accomplish where You're sending it. And Lord, I believe right now You're sending Your Word to each and every one of us that's in this room right now. Lord, we're here for a reason, for a purpose. Lord, I pray that You would give us ears to hear and a heart to receive the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we have Jesus, we have the lawyer. The lawyer is not like a lawyer we know. Think of today. He was a lawyer because he was an expert in the laws of God. He was a lawyer. And these lawyers heard that Jesus was the Messiah, but they didn't believe it. So they were going to test Him every chance they got. So they came to test Jesus. What is the great commandment? Or what shall I do to inherit eternal life? There's always something about religious people. They're always looking for something to do to get to heaven. All religions are that way. I want to do something. i got to be able to do something. When the Nicodemus came to Jesus, what shall I do? When the rich or ruler came to Jesus, what shall I do? We, we're always looking for something to do. We don't realize Jesus has already done what needs to take place for us to enter into heaven. All we have to do is believe in the Lord Jesus. So that's the work of God for us to believe in Him. But religious people are always looking for something to do. So they came. Jesus, what shall I do? And Jesus says, obey the commandments. How do you read them? And he said the right thing. Love God and love one another. Well, this lawyer uh, said, now to justify himself, because he wasn't for sure about loving everybody, maybe the Jews, but not everybody. He said, now who's my neighbor, Lord? And he began to tell the story of a certain man who went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was victimized by some thieves. His clothes were stolen. That meant you couldn't tell whether he was a Jew or Gentile. You usually could tell by the way someone dressed. But for him, he was left half naked and laid by the side of the road, ready to die. Then the priest comes by. The priest probably had just come from Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem sat up on the mountaintop. Jericho was 3,000 feet below where Jerusalem was. And so he'd probably been up to the temple. He may have been doing his priestly duty. But we know Coming from Jerusalem, he had cleansed himself, offered the right sacrifices. Now he was clean. And he sees a half-dead man, and he thinks to himself, Man, if I touch him, I'm going to be unclean again. I'm going to have to go back to Jerusalem and get all cleaned up again. So he said, Man, I'm just going to go on the other side. He went on the other side. He said, Well, it just so happened a Levite. Now, Levite were those that led worship, took care of the utensils in the temple. They were assistants to the priests. And the Levite did one step more. It says he came over and he looked. Same thoughts. Maybe the thieves are still around. Uh, 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 Maybe I need to get out of here quickly. And I just came from Jerusalem and I'm I'm all clean. If I get too close, I'll be unclean. Uh, I'll go by on the other side. But then, what's it say? A certain Samaritan. Now, he picked this man for a reason. A certain Samaritan. Samaritans were despised by the Jews. They were what they known as half-breeds. They were half-Jews and half-Gentile. And the Jews despised them. They didn't have anything to do with it. Samaritans despised the Jews. They worshipped in different places. Remember the woman at the well? She was a Gentile woman at the well. And she said, Jesus, we worship at this mountain. And you say, well, there's where you're to worship. Jesus was trying to say this message of salvation is for Jew and Gentile, but He chose this certain Samaritan and he said, this certain Samaritan came by, and he looked. He didn't know whether he was a Jew or Gentile either. But he says he got down off his animal, and he walked over, and he said he had compassion for the man. And he took out his bandages and bandaged his wounds and poured in oil and wine. Now, that's where I want to focus here just a moment. As we know, and I said that Samaritans were despised by the Jews and this lawyer was trying to justify. Now, if I take care of the Jewish people, that's one thing, but I don't know about these Samaritans. And even the Jews. You remember the disciples? There was a woman, a Gentile, that came to Jesus and his disciples one day. Her daughter was vexed with a demon. And she came begging Jesus to heal her daughter. And what did those great men of God say to that woman? Lord, would you tell her to get away from us? Man, we don't have time for her. She's a Gentile. And Jesus looked at her and said, you know, it's just not right for me to give the children's bread. The children were the Jews. It's not right for me to give the children's bread to the, what did he say? To the dogs. And she said, yeah, Master, but even little puppies get to eat crumbs from the Master's table. He said, oh, great is your faith. Be it unto you, just like you ask. And her daughter was healed. Jesus was making a statement to His men. The message that Jesus came to bring, salvation, is for whosoever will. It's not just for Jews. It's for Jews and Gentiles. He was trying to... Blame, and that's what He was trying to say here to this certain lawyer here, to this Jewish lawyer. And that certain Samaritan, again, poured in the oil and the wine. Now, I want to talk about that. In that day... in Still, even today, olive oil was used for many different reasons. One of the reasons, you could cook with it. You could do many things with it. One of the things you did, you could anoint bruises with it. I read where when you anointed a bruise, and a bruise is where you bleed on the inside, and you would anoint that with olive oil, it would soothe the bruise and bring quick healing to that bruise. And so that Samaritan realized that this man, this victim, had been beaten and bruised, and I was reminded of the scripture, Isaiah 53, it says, Jesus, thinking about the coming Messiah, he would be wounded for our transgressions, he would be bruised for our, what, iniquities, chastised so we can have peace by his stripes, we are healed, I want to talk to you about being bruised for our iniquities, chastised. I mean, transgressions are the sins we commit. Iniquities are simply the tendency toward a certain sin, a bend toward a certain sin. You may not be involved in that sin, but you lean toward that, and if you're not careful, you could get right into it. That's a, you lean toward it. That's an iniquity. And iniquities have what, been passed down, according to the Scriptures, from generation to generation. You've had some iniquities passed down to you from your ancestors. You have certain tendencies in your life. Some of you have a tendency toward depression and oppression. If you're not careful, you get overwhelmed by something, and you'll go into a state of depression, you'll just begin to feel bad, and you can't get out of that. Sometimes you just fall right into deep depression. Even as a Christian, as a believer, you just... And maybe somebody in your downline, somebody tells you, well, you know, old great-granddad, they, they killed themselves, they got so depressed. Watch out. And the enemy comes and said, "He got your great granddaddy. He's probably going to get you too." And you just lean toward that. And Jesus says, "Says of him, I came and I was bruised and bled on the inside to break that off of your life, so it's not passed down to the next generation." And I don't know what else there could be. Some of you or have a tendency toward divorce. There's some families. It just it seems like everybody in the past they got divorced. They got divorced. Now you have a tendency toward, I guess the only answer is to divorce. And you you just kind of lean that way. And maybe you've gone through a divorce. But don't you think it's time for somebody to say, no, Jesus, you were bruised for that. I'm not going to pass that down to my children. We're going to stop that right here. But Jesus came to be bruised for that iniquity. Maybe it's, you have an issue with, how you deal with anger you you have a tendency when when things get you get ruffled you get frustrated and anger begins to build up have you ever been around people that you uh oh uh oh oh watch it they're going to blow they're going to blow and somebody just explodes in anger and that's your tendency you have a tendency instead of dealing biblically with anger you just go ahead and explode and after you explode i know a lot of exploders After they explode, they feel pretty good. Ooh, I'm glad I got that off my chest. Ooh, I feel better now. Everything's okay now. Oh, let's go on, man. But you look around and what do you see? Everybody around you has got shrapnel in them. They're wounded. You feel good. You go on with your life, but you wounded a lot of people. That's a tendency you have. And there's a lot of people, they're not exploders, but they are what I call imploders. They don't explode on the outside when they get angry. They implode on the inside. Well, I've met some people that are imploders. You know what happens when you implode? You, nobody knows you're angry. You're upset. You've just imploded. Maybe somebody got upset with you and you imploded on the inside. And you know what happens? You get emotionally sick. You can get physically sick. Some people are looking for answers. to go, heal me, heal me, heal me. He can't heal you from the outside in. Sometimes he's got to come on the inside. And you've got to accept the bruises on the body of Jesus so you can be healed on the inside. Because of the wounds that have happened to you. Because you imploded on yourself. And there's a lot of people that are sick physically. And I can pray for you every Sunday in this altar. And ask God to heal you. But until you deal with the wounds on the inside. Those prayers, here are not going to help. They might help. They might get you over till the next Sunday. But you have some wounds on the inside you've got to deal with. Something that was passed down to you. From generations past. Some of them have a tendency toward abuse i could spend a whole message on abuse it happens even in families that come to church and you saw your daddy you saw your mama how they dealt with you and how they dealt with you and they they just abused maybe with their words or maybe physically and you have a tendency to abuse people with your words or maybe you even have a tendency to you know use physical action. You have a tendency toward that, and you have to, oh, no, I'm not going to do it. But Sometimes you fall into it. That's something that sometimes gets passed down to us. And it's time for somebody to stand up and say, no, enough's enough. I'm stopping this right now. And you can do it. How? By the bruises upon the body of Jesus. I was bruised to break that iniquity off of your life. We could go on and on with that. Psalm 45, verse 7 says, I accept the oil of gladness. Isaiah 61:3, the oil of joy for mourning. Some of you need the oil of joy. You need the oil of gladness. I can see it on your face. You need it. Have you ever been around people? You just look at their face and go, oh, man. Sometimes, you know, you're happy and you know it. Tell your face. There's some people saying, oh, I'm okay. But then you can see it. The Scripture says, I can tell by your countenance something's not right. And I've, I've seen people, I've been pastoring for a long time, and every once in a while in church I would see somebody coming toward me, and, and I know these people, they come to me every week with an issue, a problem, always negative, always something. And I can see them coming, I can see it on their face, uh-oh, here they come again. I can't get them out of that tendency to be negative all the time. They just have a tendency to always want to be oh, me, oh, me, oh, me, oh, man. I try, you know. You got to look at somebody else. You know, somebody else has got it worse than you. Oh, me, oh. And every once in a while, I want, and I, I apologize to this. I'm going to confess something. Sometimes I would see them coming, and I would turn my back. And, I can't see them. I don't hear them. I, I, if they don't see me. They won't come to me because I know they don't have anything good to say. And they won't take up 15 minutes of my time to tell me all of their woes and problems. And I can't get them out of there. They have this tendency. They haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to come in and heal them. Well, I need they need the oil of joy for gladness, the oil of joy for mourning. Then I, uh, Psalm 23, my favorite, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Then he goes on to say he anoints my head with oil the shepherd knew what that meant David was a good shepherd he knew what it meant to anoint the sheep's head with oil because sheep had this issue they had sheep mites sheep mites were like fleas It would bite their bodies and just eat their skin up and they would rub their skins raw trying to get rid of those sheep mites or they had even something I think is worse than that they had what were called nasal flies nasal flies now you're going to remember this Nasal flies would crawl up in the sheep's nasal passage and lay eggs. Then they would hatch. Then the little nasal fly would crawl up into the head inside the brain of the sheep. And you know what that little bug would do? All the time. Trying to find a way out. And it would drive the sheep literally mad. That they would butt their head up against a rock or butt their head up against a tree trunk. Trying to get rid of the buzzing in their head. I read that and I thought, ooh, I've got some buzzing going on in my head. Spiritual buzzing. Have You ever had that? Something's going on and, boy, you got one of those spiritual nasal flies in your head. And it's just, you can't get rid of the sound of it. It's always there. And the devil is so faithful. He even shows up at church. You're trying to worship God and you got this thought going on in your head. You're watching the news, all these things begin to happen and you got, "That's going to happen to you." Bruh. I had a tendency. My my father had a heart attack when he was 48. I didn't think about that when I was 20, but when I started turning 40 and I started and I'd go to the doctor and they say, "Fill out this form. Is there heart disease in your family?" Check. My father died of cancer when he was 53. Is there cancer in your family? Yep. Check. And then you have the devil saying, I got you, Daddy. I'm going to get you too. Then you get on medication. And then you watch television. And then a lawyer comes on and said, if you've taken this medicine, call me immediately. Or if you've had a loved one that passed away taking this medicine... And all of a sudden, you open that medicine, and you have that buzzing going in your head. Oh no, what am I going to do? It's those nasal flies, and it's the faithful devil. He shows up at church, buzzing around in your head. Boy, I need some of that spiritual anointing oil, because the oil would come on the head of the sheep and go down on his body, and it would it would keep the nasal flies and the sheep mites off the sheep. He anoints my head with oil. Some of you need to be anointed today. You got some buzzing going on in your head right now. I know you do. Something's just going off. Man. And the Lord wants to come pour in that anointing oil today. James 5, 14. Is anyone sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him doing what? Anointing him with oil. Well, we're going to do that today. Then he poured in the oil and the Wine. Wine represents the healing of open wounds. Some of you, if we could see in the spiritual realm, I would look out here and I could see some people bleeding here today. You're bleeding. Can't see it physically, but you're bleeding. You've been wounded. Somebody's wounded you and you're bleeding. One thing I say in my ministry as a pastor, I think pastors are many different things. One of the things I always said, as a pastor, I I was a good emergency room doctor. You came to me and you were bleeding. I could get the bleeding stopped. But that's not all. You thought you were better. Okay, I'm okay now. No, you're not. You need surgery. I wasn't good at surgery. Now, my wife's really good at surgery, spiritual surgery. She loves to get in that room and sit down with them and say, okay, now let's let's deal with this issue right here. I really wasn't really good at that, going deep. But a surgeon likes to go deep, cut, deep, cut out that thing that's causing all the mess. I don't, I don't know what kind of pastor you are. If you like to go deep, you know, you like to... But I was just, I get the bleeding stopped. Well, today, you know what I want to do? I want to get the bleeding stopped. Because some of you are bleeding. I want to pour in the wine. Paul said, Timothy, listen, I want you to drink a little wine for your stomach's sake. And you're often infirmities. Because that wine is going to help bring healing to the sickness that's bothering you. Proverbs 31, 6. Give wine to those who are of heavy heart. Drink to forget. Now, I have to make this uh, statement. Now, I'm not telling you to go out and get a bottle of wine. So you can drink and forget, okay? This is spiritual that I'm talking about. That the wine of the Holy Spirit, you can drink in the wine of the Holy Spirit, and He will take away your heavy heart, and He will cause you to forget the things of your past that bring you difficulty today. You can't live in the future because you're always thinking about the past and the pains of the past. Psalm 104 verse 15 says, Wine makes glad." And oil makes the face to shine. Oh, I like that. We get the wine. We start being full of joy and gladness on the inside. And we're full of joy and gladness on the inside. Oh, it causes our face to shine with the oil of God. Today, we're going to do something. We're going to pour in the oil and the wine. where Jesus says, I've come today to be a servant of mercy to those that have been wounded, to those that have been bruised, just because life has treated you that way, due to iniquities being passed down, from one generation to the next, it's time for somebody to say, enough of that. I don't want my children to go through it. I don't want my grandchildren to go through it. I was so grateful that when I turned 50, and I thought 53, you know, when I was 20, my dad passed away, I thought, well, he lived a pretty good life. All of a sudden, I started getting toward 50, and I thought, man, he was young. Then I turned 53, and then the devil was, going to get you, going to get you. Then I turned 55. Then I turned 60. Then I turned 65. In June, I turned 66. Glory to God. going to break that off because I've been claiming that. Lord, I'm going to break that iniquity off of my family. I'm not going to pass that down to my children. Let's break it off. And so we've been claiming that and believing for that. And so it, it is happening. I'll turn 66. Glory to God. I don't mind getting older. Some people don't want to tell you that. I don't care. I, man, the older I get, somebody told me one time, I, I I do a lot of funerals, and they said, man, I want you to do my funeral. I said, I want to do everybody's funeral. Because that means I'm still alive, doing everybody's funeral, you know. I want to do everybody's funeral. Now, but today, what do we want to do? I, uh, I have to confession to make, another confession. Uh, I went into a liquor store the other day. I don't ever go to liquor stores. But, and I went in kind of thinking, okay, anybody, do I know anybody in here? But I thought if I saw somebody, hey, they couldn't say anything because they're not supposed to be there. Anymore. But I went to liquor store. Why? I wanted to buy a bottle of wine. So I, I created me this. I got some olive oil. You can tell that. And then right here is the wine. I thought, you know, I want to go and anoint people with the oil of joy. And the wine of gladness. I believe in anointing people with oil. We just add a little bit to it. The wine of the Holy Spirit. Just a moment. We're going to have a time of prayer here in this altar. And we want to pray for you. I don't know what it is. In this message, you say, oh boy, I, that's me right there. I want to pray for you. I just want to anoint you with oil. With wine and the And let the Holy Spirit just come on you. Break off the iniquity. Break off that buzzing going on in here. Just do something in your life. It's going to change your life. I want to be like that certain Samaritan that had compassion, bandages up the wounds, poured in the oil and the wine, and took care of the man for days ahead. We want to see that happen to you. So, Father, I come. Lord, I stand in this altar. Lord, knowing that this is a word from you. This is something you want to do, Lord. It's not what I want to do. This is what you want to do. Jesus, you were bruised, beaten, right on the inside, so you could heal us of the wounds on the inside of our life. Lord, somebody needs to be healed from the inside out today. Somebody needs that oil on their head, Lord, today. So, Lord, we pray for every person that's here. Lord, that you begin to speak to them right now. The Holy Spirit is quickened this to you. I'm going to ask you to join me and my wife and others here in this altar, the pastor and others in this altar. We want to pray for you. I want to believe God. He's going to do what only He can do today, reach on the inside, heal the hurts that you're facing today. Break off those iniquities off of your family. Would you just join me right now